Erica, in life, and this is why we've balanced, think about how many people try and change, uh, trying to achieve balance, restriction, productivity, time, things, minimizing all this sort of stuff. Now that's restricting. So you can have balance, but what they're trying to do there is balance time, right? Now, have you ever lost yourself in a moment where you're just experiencing life and you're having the best time? We're in, so I want to introduce another word that's called flow. So a lot of people attach um, time to balance. Now, balance, true balance is timeless, right? And, and I can describe it another word as flow. And so what happens is life becomes a dance where you can enjoy the good, the bad, the hard, the whatever it is. I kind of get away from good and bad. And the thing is, is you can actually approach life in a way where you regulate it. So another word for balance is regulated. What a lot of people do is they restrict, not regulate. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome back to episode 46 of the Balance Theory podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, a very warm welcome to you. So before I dive in and share a little bit about today's podcast and guest, I wanted to share a really nice thought that came from a guided meditation I did the other day. So I often, well, I change between the Calm app and the Headspace app, and I was doing one of them and they made a really nice point, And that was think of a cloudy day. Your view of the blue sky is obviously tainted by all the clouds covering the sun and the blue, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. And the analogy was when you're feeling stressed or anxious or have all these kind of whirlwind of emotions, it doesn't mean that that peace, that inner satisfaction, that happiness, that gratitude, it doesn't mean it's not there. It just means it's a little bit harder to see because obviously there are distractions. So the takeaway from that for me was when you're feeling off when you're feeling down and I know especially right now we're in the middle of third fourth week of lockdown in Sydney just remember that it's okay to have all those clouds in the way and just know and trust that that blue sky it's always there for you it's always there underneath sometimes we just need to peel away and peep through the clouds but I found that quite comforting to know that that state that peace of mind it's always there. I just need to retune into it and kind of look through everything else that I'm feeling. So I just wanted to share that with you guys because I found it quite useful in my meditation practice the other day. But now on to today's guest. So I have, who's normally my boxing coach, but obviously now with gyms being shut, I haven't seen him in a while. Dave Powterbane, who is also a three times world champion athlete turned author, presenter and systematic change specialist. And so now apart from being a boxing instructor, he also works very closely with schools, communities and companies to inspire positive change from the inside out. So what can you expect from today's episode? Well, I think Dave and I would have spoke on for days had we the opportunity and time. But in this small time frame, Dave shares his personal story. So from a farm boy who wasn't expected to do much at all, wasn't meant to travel too far. He really broke through that expectation and learned to rewire the thought of what he deserves. So rather than defaulting to the way you grew up and, and sort of deciding that your life is planned out for you, he really talks about how you can take back control and how you can rewire what you think you are worthy of. Within this is a big, big chat about societal expectations and why they play such a big role in labeling people, in putting them into baskets and therefore hampering their unique life path. And really within this, he talks about why you are never imbalanced, why you were never imbalanced or why you were never broken. And I love this point and I know you will too. And it really comes down to 
You only think you're those things because that's what society tells you. Another tangent off this is we chat about why your worth is not conditional on your output or really conditional full stop. And also through the power of stories, Dave's also able to show us how we can turn judgment into authenticity, guilt into introspection and external validation into empowerment. I honestly love everything about this conversation. It was so nice getting to know Dave on a deeper level. He's so enthusiastic and passionate. So if you're listening to this and you've just woken up, you're definitely not going to need a coffee after this episode, but I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. Take a screenshot of this episode if you loved it. Tag myself and Dave. His Instagram handle is in the show notes below and let us know what your biggest takeaways were. Of course, share it, subscribe and leave some love in our review section on Apple Podcasts, which is at the bottom of all the episodes. It really helps us reach out to more balances. And as well, it's just so nice to read what you guys are loving about the podcast. And it's such a nice way for me to connect with you if you haven't already reached out through Instagram or email. That's it from me. Let's dive straight in and I can't wait to hear all of your thoughts on today's pod. Alrighty, I'm honored to be joined by Dave Powterbane today on the podcast. We met a couple years ago, maybe a year ago, down at Hustle Boxing. And it's really nice to have you on the show to chat a little bit further about who you are and what you do. So welcome. Awesome to be here, Erica. I really appreciate it and uh, really appreciate always bringing the vibe to Hustle. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I miss it a bit now since we've been in lockdown. Can't wait to get back down there. But um, for people who this might be the first time they've heard you or maybe they've just been following you on socials, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you actually do? Yeah, so um, my name is Dave Power Savane. It's a bit, of a bit of a joke, that middle power thing, but it's kind of turned into something. But basically, um, I'll give you a short, long story, a bit of short, but uh, Right now, I'm a trainer at Hustle Boxing. I help develop uh, business systems, marketing systems. I, I write books. I'm quite creative. We've got kids' books. So I work with schools. And basically, what I do is create programs uh, and, and teachings and books that help people transcend whatever uh, trauma they've ever had or any challenges they face in life. Because like the one thing in life we can guarantee is we're going to come up against um, you know challenging people, challenging situations, and all that. So uh, now what I do is just devise systems to help people facilitate their own change. So, um, yeah, to put it in a bit of a nutshell, so whether that's through a book or through a workshop um, or through, you know, a business, whether it's a company or whatever it is, I, uh, I get people to look at things from a systematic view to actually fundamentally make things flow rather than, um, you know, not talk to each other and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, Erica, you know how it all started? It was in a, Tell me. a backyard garden shed five kettlebells, three bits of carpet, no electricity. I couldn't even get my words out. I but you would stutter uh, throughout my class, uh, but I had a passion for uh, creating space for people and holding space and giving people um, that energy that I wish I had. So um, that was actually the first kettlebell gym. So that's how I got started. And how that got started is I actually followed English. I got a red dot. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I can't go to uni. And at the time my dad got sick and life got quite, um, quite challenging. And I was just like, you know what? um i've got to do something here and you know i had a mentor who took me under his belt and introduced me to the very first kettlebell and um, i saw that as opportunity so and that's kind of how i'm here today so love that yeah i love what what i do yeah and i love what you just said about like empowering people through change it's funny you said that i actually did my first episode of this month i did a whole segment on change and why 
um, we sort of need to understand our relationship with change because even though it can be such an uncertain time, it's almost guaranteed you're going to go through that through life. So I love that that forms a part of your message and what you're doing. And systemizing things is everyone listening knows I love that. I love a good framework, love a good system. So, you know, to take that from like a business marketing strategy and then apply it to say self-development or learning how we can treat others and be kinder to ourselves and all those things. I love it. I'm here for it. But before we dive into a little bit more about like the work you're specifically doing with your books and all your creative stuff today, I want to know about this three-time world kettlebell champion thing because I actually didn't even know about it. So tell me what what's a go with that? How do you even become a world champion with a kettlebell? <laughs> well, I've got some kettlebells back there. That's literally where I trained behind me. But um. So, yeah, funny enough, with kettlebells, there's uh, a sport and, and it originated in Russia and it started off with like farm, farm people. They used to use kettlebells to weigh rice and wheat and things like that at the, um, the markets back in the, like hundreds of years ago. And then every town had what's called Gravik, which is like the strongman of the town, the fittest, because work ethic back then was like everything. And so that turned into a sport and it's actually a national sport for Russia. And you lift two kettlebells on your chest, right? 224 kilos, 228s or 232s for 10 minutes. So every rep, it's like weightlifting where you have a judge, but you've got to last 10 minutes and every rep gets counted before you can drop it back down. And if you put them down, you're out. So Eric, the thing about this, I come from a small town, failed English, all that kind of stuff. So when I saw there was a sport involved with something, now I grew up, uh, kind of, you know, in a bit of a farming lifestyle where your work ethic was like your mark as a man. And so um, you put a, a weight in my hand and like, don't put it down. Um, you know, that kind of was something I was like, in a way, born to do in a way. Yeah. So, um, so kettlebell sport, 10 minutes, two weights. I do wow. the, I do what's called the biathlon, jerk and snatch. So 10 minutes, max reps. You got to basically hit over 100 reps if you want to be competitive. And then you do the snatch. So like what we do at Hustle, you swing through the legs, straight up around the wrist, lock it out, and then back down. So um, that's my favorite move. I've got got all the records and that for for that here in America, New Zealand. Amazing. Um, and what kind of yeah, mindset? You, what kind of mindset do you adopt getting into those challenges? Because they sound quite intense. Well, like back when I was younger, right? Like for me, that was a, an opportunity to travel. For me, I come from a town where it was like you're not meant to do things like this, and like even my family, like is. Has is a say to a degree is like, you know, my family never traveled the world, never done anything. So for me, it was like, I had to earn my way out to go do that, to deserve it. Cause I didn't feel I deserved it. Right. So I had to earn it, right. Earn it, earn your keep, all this kind of stuff. So for me, it was just an opportunity to travel, you know? So, and also too, it was actually an opportunity to uh, prove to myself my worth. So, you know, um, you know, when I talked about having a speech impediment, all that kind of stuff, we have different things we get brought up with. You know, for me, it was be seen, not heard. No wonder I couldn't speak in front of people. I had to do different things. Now, if you want to go really deep with it, Eric, and a lot of people say like three-time world title lots of stuff. To be totally honest, I won three world titles, won the world, broke all the records, set world records, all this kind of stuff to come back to prove my worth to my dad. Yeah. Do you think I ever got it? Now, I'm not, not putting, uh, like now, I've, and I've got another book coming out and all this sort of stuff, but a lot of times we're driven through an unhealthy association. Now, for me, yeah, I love winning. Like, who doesn't love winning? You know, but for me, it wasn't just winning. It was undefeated. Not one person could beat me in these competitions. I could go and win every category. 
Now, let me just tell you, nobody loved competing against me. Now, I had a lot of friends in the sport, but I also had a lot of enemies. You know, I was kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger would turn up and he would sabotage all these, all these people and talk shit to them and stuff. So um, that, was my, that was my past. And, um, and if anything, Erica, we, we get given vehicles in life where the moment we try and hold on to that vehicle for longer, it's kind of like we're stuck on a little life raft. And right now that life raft, even though you got all resources to build a yacht, we're on this life raft because it's comfortable. It's safe, right? But what I can say is that life raft, it's not going to serve you and get you to where you need to be. And then anything where we're not moving forward, resist the change, whatever still is stagnant, whatever stagnant stinks. And that's where so many people are stagnant with themselves and their body, their lives. And then they seek external quick fixes like drugs, alcohol, food, being shitty relationships, all that kind of stuff. So Erica, the three time, the three world titles was my way of proving to myself uh, in a way that I, that I'm worth it and I can do something. And uh, it kind of just paved the road for a lot of other opportunities. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, what do you think um, has been the biggest lesson? Because it sounds like you've potentially changed your mindset a little bit since back back then, like when you were competing. What do you think has been the biggest lesson for you from that experience? Well, to go really, really kind of deeper with it is that my worth is not conditional. Yes, I love that. You know, my value isn't my my value isn't just being the world record holder and so forth. Now. You know, that's an identity. And, and a lot of times in life, we, we have these identities. Sometimes when we're younger, they're given to us. So from like my family background is like an immigrant family. So, you know, that comes with an identity in a new country and starting off like back. My, my pop and that, they used to tell me stories about his brother's arms getting broken because no, they, they used to call them wogs and stuff like that. So, you know, you start to um, get different identities given to you from society. But the biggest thing, is you know and that's you know it's hard to escape that and that's why i do all this stuff for kids is so many kids have been put in these freaking boxes given all these labels and they've got no chance to escape them and what's even worse they're getting dosed up with psychoactive drugs and all these different things chemical stuff that's going on instead of dealing with what's really going on with that kid and that's what i do in these kids books mm. you know um it wasn't you know what yeah so anyway you go deeper on the kids books but basically a lot of people get stuck to identity. And you know, I see a lot of people go, I just want to travel. What are they trying to really escape? They're actually trying to really escape their little bubble, which is great. But then also when you're in a little bubble, every single day that you meet someone who knew you yesterday, they remind you today of who you were yesterday. So you can't change under a microscope. Mm. Right. Yeah. So when you travel, you show up and guess what? If you're a dick, people are going to escape. You're a dickhead. Right. And then, and so it's not just people that you go, oh, you know, they've known me my whole life. It's like new people, you get a new chance to show up differently. So that's how we can change. But realistically, once you've done all the travel and you start escaping everything, you realize that home is actually within me, right? Now that's a bit of a breakthrough and I've got that coming up in a new book. But um, yeah, anyway, I can talk for days on this stuff, Erica. So. <laughs> no, I know you can. I know you can. Now I'd love to go back to the point we said about, um, you know, the, the biggest takeaway you had from that is like your worth is not conditional because I think that forms the premise of a lot of the passion work that you do now and a lot of the stuff you do with the kids so talk to me a little bit more about that work specifically so you're you're trying to I guess educate or empower young children with this message through your books is that correct yeah so reading in stories for kids is very powerful so when we read a story we forget about ourselves, our identity so if I say once upon a time, Erica, I can say any story after that 
and you're actually sitting there listening to it. And stories is how we transform information through thousands of years, right? Stories are the most powerful thing our society has, right? So with the kids' books, basically what I do, let me, do, let me say, put it this way. I'll give you an example. Power Man, Unleash the Hero Finn. This is around bullying about my best friend, Dan, whose real name is, sorry, Stu in the book, whose real name's Dan. Who, and he's also one of Australia's best guitarists. He wrote the theme song. He got bullied at a time. Now, let me tell you this. When I, when I, in the reality of it, I didn't stick up for him. I was the bystander. I didn't know what to do. I froze. Now, I knew that he like won, like won the battle of the bully and all that sort of stuff, but he needed support. Now, I'm going to introduce you to a term. Everyone talks about trauma. Now, Dr. Gabba Mate, one of the phenomenal world leaders in trauma, talks trauma isn't what happens to you. It's what happens within you when you have to sit with what happened to you. Yeah. It's when you're alone with what happened. It's trauma is an internal thing. We internalize it. Now, trauma can happen when things happen to you or things don't happen. So I'll give you an example. How much pressure from society is for women to have kids and their house sorted and the relationship after 30? Everyone asks them every single day. So just say someone is a successful person at 45, um, they don't have any kids and maybe they go into early menopause due to the work and the stress and everything. That person there can have a trauma kick in purely because they go, I'm a failure. My, I wanted kids. I didn't have a relationship. Then they internalize that. Then all of a sudden, they then demonize their job that they've worked so hard to thrive in. So yeah. these things are the stuff I do in these stories. Now, with the kids, though, with this book, is I actually rewrote the story of what I wish I actually did as a kid. That's the power. So I take kids on this story of, being, you know, how to say, stuffing up, you know, messing up, not knowing what to do, which we've all been in position to, then I show them how to rebuild it. And the quicker that you can actually come back from a setback, come back after a fight and apologize, uh, forgive yourself and say, hey, I did the best with what I got, the more you can actually move on. Because so many people in today as well as the adults are actually stuck as a 12-year-old self when they experience some form of trauma. Yeah. So I, many people ask, and you see, you see these people and they act like 12 year olds, like, what are you doing? And the thing is they can't even control it. So Erica, if you've got something in your hand, pick something up. I'll give you an example of this. It's got my mouse. Okay. You got a mouse. Now I tell you, Erica, drop the banana. Just let it go. You're holding on to things. Just let it go. Let the banana go, Erica. What do you say? You go, I don't have a fucking banana. I don't, you know, just say you don't know what the mouse is. You're just holding something. Oh, right. Yeah. Right? I don't. So, so, so Erica, no matter what I say to you in regards to drop the banana, whatever it is, it's my opinion. The beholder is the one that needs to realize what they're holding on to. So in these books and all these programs is I guide people to figure out what they're actually holding on to, how they perceived it. And the way they perceived it was through the, a, sub, a lesser conscious person when they were five or 10. So now the memory was terrible. But then when you go back to it, you go, you saw it from five-year-old's eyes. Do you understand that you're internalizing everything from a five-year-old's eyes, which is, and so what actually happens when they see it from a new perspective, they change the whole dynamic to the trauma they've been holding on to. Yeah. Wow. This is. Um, um, so anyway. Yeah. This is like. Deep on a uh, podcast. No, I love it. It's, it. it's really deep into really how we show up and how our past experiences shape our current perception of things. And I think that's like so incredible that you're helping people go into that journey. I mean, me, myself, I've been doing um, therapy this year and that's sort of the same sort of journey it's taken. And it's quite amazing when you see 
Like you have a chain or a sequence of events where you've reacted in the same way and it all stemmed from one, quote, trauma event or just something from your past and you will keep viewing things through that lens until you kind of deal with it. So I love that and that's incredible work. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit though about fighting these rigid societal expectations because I think that that's something that a lot of us are really, really uh, prone to. Like, for example, the the example you gave of like a 35-year-old woman who may not want to have kids um, and, you know, and, and the battles she will then face against society. I think a lot of people, especially in their 20s, especially in this generation where I think the traditional meaning of work, like having a nine-to-five job, like the opportunities we've got, the things we should or, quote, shouldn't be doing, when we should have kids, when we should be getting married, when we should find our soulmate, all these things can be so consuming and really make you feel imbalanced when you think about, you know, I feel like I've been in positions before where I've looked at my life and I'm actually really happy. But when I start tuning into, oh, maybe I should be doing this. So I, I should have gotten married by now. Or like, you know, if I ever have those thoughts, they conflict with how I feel about myself. So do you have any tips or anything you personally teach or do yourself to help people sort of deal with that internal battle between, you know, what they want their balance to be and what they think it should be? Yeah, so shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't, right? These are things that um, greatest way to take you out of flow. Now, back when I was competing, Erica, when I'm competing, when you're in flow, that's the goal. You're having fun. You've shown up. You've done the work. Now, when I would compete, I would go over to my competitors and go, hey, guys, where are you guys staying? And I go, I'm down at the hotel. Oh, yeah, what's it like there? Oh, whatever. If it's good or bad or whatever. I go, oh, how did you guys sleep last night? Do you think anyone sleeps the night before? Probably not that much. No way. So what have I just done? I've taken them out of flow and I'm going to focus on what they don't have in the moment. Do you think they're going to compete after that? Right? So these are like little strategies I should do with competing to fuck with people. Now, the greatest way to take someone out of flow is to smack them while they're happy. Right? That's uh, what we do to kids and all that kind of stuff without the comprehension of things. Right? They're not, they need to smack anything. So, in a way, with the shoulda, woulda, coulda, I'll, I'll, if anything, I want to give people the tools to understand where these things are coming from. Most people that are saying shoulda, woulda, coulda are actually bitter and resentful of all the shit they never did, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Now, yeah. at the time, they didn't like it, right? But at the time, they listened to it. They, had this, they, did, they didn't actually know how to internally be driven. They're just external. What mum says, what dad says, what family says, what culture says, whatever it is. Now, that is, that's, this is the part of, we all got to escape this, you know, and it's up to you because everyone can actually, you know, when I said about holding onto that mouse, so that mouse for you, if you just held onto it all the time, like it would only probably affect your life to a degree. You, you would like Erica with the mouse, right? You become Erica with the mouse. You're dancing on the dance floor. You know, you can still have fun. You, know, you still have a relationship, you know, but it's, it's also hindering you in some way. So some people with this good or should or waters, it works out for them because it's not that bad. Yeah. All right. It's kind of like the theory of, have you ever heard about the dog that's laying on a nail? No. There's this dog. I'll tell you this story. There's this dog, right? And uh, it's, it's laying there and it's growling. The guy goes, what's, what's wrong with your dog, man? And the guy goes, oh, he's laying on a nail. He's like, well, why is he laying on the nail? Why doesn't he get off? He goes, it's not hurting him enough. The guy's fucking laying on the nail because it's not hurting him enough. So some people go through life partying with the mouse in their hand. They can do it all. But what about the person who needs two hands, you know, like to do everything? 
So a lot of times, shoulda, coulda, woulda's work for some people. The people then who who actually gone through a tough time look at the some people and go, that's the right idea. And it's like fucking far from it. So all that is, is what we're talking about externally driven. A lot of people pushing their shit on someone else. The goal, especially as a kid or for example, a parent is to guide, you're a guide to your kids. That's all you are. You're not, you're not like fucking junior the third, whatever he needs to be what I do and all that, which gets caught into things, brought into things. So with, uh, with that is right now, if there's resistance, if, there, if there's stress, I want to introduce people to a new word, resistance, resistance. What's within you that is not, that you're holding on to? What's blocking you? So first up, it comes in a feeling. You're like, oh, fuck, that's not right. I've got a passion. I want to do this. Now, feel into it. Lean into it. What is it? Question it. Eric, you wouldn't be doing this podcast unless you had a feeling. Mm. This isn't a logical path for you when it comes to what, you know, you've got a lawyer background for anyone out there who all this. It's not a logical path. Everyone's gone, you did law. Why would you want to do this? Whatever it is. But you have a, something within you that is wanting to be shared, which is kind of like your light, you could say. And this is the way you let it out. And the thing is, you actually are doing it right now because you didn't leave, let the shooters, coulda, wouldas. Yeah. Uh, and actually, the people who ain't fucking doing it stop you from doing it. So anyone listening right now, that pain you felt, the resistance, lean into it, feel into it. And there's a really good book called Awareness by Anthony DeMello if you want a book to go there. The one thing you don't want to do, this is where we get trapped, is we actually, uh, how do you say, we see start off like this, we've got dreams in life, and all of a sudden people say, no, you've got to go to uni, boom. Oh, now you've got to get a job, boom. Oh, now you've got to be happy and have kids, blah, blah, boom, boom. Conditional. All they're doing is teaching you conditional love, conditional fucking happiness right? Happiness is within you. You already got it. You just got to fucking polish that mirror so you can actually feel it. Because right now you're so emotionally, you're so emotionally constipated. You can't even feel nothing. So even with a million bucks, you'd fuck it up. So it's, uh, it's something's already within you. A lot of times you've actually just got to rediscover it. So the moment people go, I'm finding myself and they're searching externally, it's yeah. really actually within them. Yeah. yeah. I think and that's my a- little rant. No, no, I love rants and tangents here for it. But no, I love that. And for anyone, like not not all of you would have seen video just then, but what Dave was doing was you start quite big and then you have all these milestones or like shooters or expectations when you tune into other people's, you know, what, what society, I guess, thinks you should be doing and it shrinks you and it makes you smaller and it boxes you in. And I think that- Anxiety, we, yeah, Question. And then you're stuck in this, right. like, just from that like visual that you just gave me, like- that just makes me already see like you get boxed in, you get caved in and you're sort of small and you don't get to explore your passions. You don't get to live big and dream big because you feel like, and it comes back to what you were saying before, like you're not worthy. You're not deserving of that path, but really you're just, I think from what we're discussing, you could, you could ascertain like you're just conforming to what society, I guess, is put as an expectation for you. And when I think about that in the context of your balance, I think, some red flags for anyone who might be, you know, stuck in this loop would be like, and this is something I spoke about with a wonderful guest. Her name's Sarah. She's the host of the CZA podcast. We spoke about this concept that we generally won't question things unless something is actively making us unhappy, right? So we may by default just be in situations, right? We may just be in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and it might be working for us, but unless we stop and question it, even if it's not making us not happy, 
you you won't ever like really know whether you're living your true purpose or whether you're conforming to things without questioning it. It's like just going through by default, you know what I'm saying? And and not really questioning whether there's a better way. So I think you wouldn't wake up. Yeah, I think it's a nice a nice point to stop and think like, okay, maybe I'm doing things that society wants. And that doesn't mean stuff that you should throw that out the window. Like it could actually be working for you, but have you stopped and questioned whether that is, you know, right for you? Yeah, and a lot of time is what happens. So I call it the narrowing of life. Everyone's going to get chipped away, chip away. So the narrowing. And then there's a breakthrough moment. So a lot of people call it the breakdown moment. So you can call it whichever you want. And that's what my new book is, Eric, is basically it's called Unbreakable, How to Turn a Breakdown into a Breakthrough, Discover an Unbreakable You, is in that moment, what is life telling you? What is life screaming at you that you're not listening? So a lot of people, it's really funny, is like, um, is, you know, they're, they're experiencing pain, right? And they think it's a bad thing. The pain is there to teach you. The pain is there trying to, it's a guide, right? It's like, uh, it's an unspoken thing. So the pain the is there for it's a warning sign. It's there. The lights, we just don't know how to read it. And what will happen is you keep repeating the loops until you learn the lesson. You'll keep dating the douchebags until you realize that you're attracted to douchebags. And where did that come from? It's from this. And oh, okay, I need to give the love of myself, not try and go out and get it from someone else externally. And then they're broken. You know, in a way, they're thinking they're broken. They don't have capacity. So how are they even going to give you what they don't have? Absolutely. It's like me talking to the cup going oh this cup needs to give me everything i want as if now the things with the cup is it doesn't speak back so it'd probably be better for most people in that relationship uh probably more useful but um yeah okay anyway i love this stuff so no absolutely um, and on this concept of pain i also love that because my partner is a chiro and so he always talks about the pain perception being your body can't communicate with you through words. And so when you experience pain, it's your body's way or your subconscious's way, whatever you want to think of it as, as telling you that that is an area that needs attention or that's an emotion that needs a little bit of airtime. So my question to you now is, do you have any processes for when you experience pain, how you sort of cipher through that? Or do you, you know, have any tips for anyone who might be experiencing pain or tough times, anything like that, anything that you recommend or suggest to work through that? Yes. Now, hey, can I, before I answer that question, because your your partner's a Cairo, the <laughs> other day, two and a half weeks ago, before I had the biggest breakthrough of my life with writing this book and everything, is I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm going to have to go back into competing with kettlebells for publicity and all this kind of stuff because I can. Now, I did one workout, one training session. Guess what happened the next day? You needed an adjustment. <laughs> I snapped my ACL. <gasps> Oh, that's a really bad one. Right? Now, I snapped my ACL, right? No other damage to my knee. Snapped my ACL. It was a previous thing that was already almost on the way out. And um, I then had to actually look internally because I'm, I, you know, I'm, a lot of my work is physical. I had to look internally. I'm constantly going back to this old vehicle, kettlebells, this old vehicle. It's not me anymore. And mm-hmm. I knew that. And by the way, with the lockdown, the New New Zealand championships got called off anyway. So it was so funny you talk about that. The next day I snapped my ACL. Now that next day, that next night, instead of uh, compete like doing my training, I finally opened the book, Awareness of Anthony DeMello, that I've had sitting there for seven years that I started to read and back in the day, then I got caught up in work and busyness and doing the things. And um, 
And yeah, I had the biggest breakthrough in my life. So anyone right now, right now with this, the first thing anyone can do, I'm going to give you three words, Eric, and this is something you can do for yourself. This is so freeing. And I'm trying, I've, I've never explained it on a podcast before. So I'm going to explain it very, try and do it really well. There's three words. And this is to help, to help people with burnout and everything like this. So three words, judgment, guilt, and shame. Those three words. Now, when it comes to judgment, what that looks like is you should. So society, you should do this. You should go to uni. You should have kids. You should have the house, the car, the whatever. Now, all those people are in pain because they never got it to the level they wanted it. So they're going, you should do it, right? Mm. And so, and they mean well. Everything's done with intention, right? Uh, even bad things are done. People rob and steal with intention. It's for my kids, whatever it is. So you got to understand that it's, um, yeah. So anyway, you should. Then it's your close family and friends. You should. Your mom, your sister, your brother, whatever. You should. Your partner. You should. You should. You should. Okay, it's external. It's kind of like, you, and again, you should drop the banana, but it's really a mouse, right? So, and then you internalize that. I should. The moment you say I should, you're going against your authentic self. Hmm. right now what happens over time as you then do whatever is shoulds or you do all the shoulds you then are actually going further away from your authentic self you're getting lost in things you lose you lose your own identity whoever memoir then you have that question so then that slides to guilt you did you did this you hmm. did this and so society um you did this like just say if you do something lose your license, something like that, or you, or you do a criminal thing, or you did that, and that becomes, you kind of get branded by it. Yeah. Um, or you did your lawyer course, so you have to be a lawyer, Erica. You have to be a lawyer. What a waste. What a waste for if you do anything I've else. Have you ever had that said? Oh, right? you did. Times. <laughs> right. right, now check this out. The next one is your family and friends. Now, if you've got your family and friends pointing out, you did, you did, you did, you, you feel trapped. Now, the next thing is then you go, I did. And you internalize that. I did something wrong. I did the wrong career. I did this. Now, I, now you also hear the saying, I did it. So I've got a dick. I've dug my own grave. I've got to lay in it. Right? It's absolute bullshit. But anyway, we go on. The next one. And this is where I catch anyone who's depression, anxiety, really, really, really um, at the end of their rope, you could say. Now, when we're at this point here is the shame. And you do a shame list. This is really important. This stuff's really powerful. Is you go, society says you are. You are terrible. You are a failure. You are not this. You are not a good mother because you don't have kids or whatever. You're not even, a, you know, whatever people will say. Like, you're not a true woman because you don't have kids. You chose your career, whatever. All this bullshit that people can say at different times. And then your family, you are, you are a disappointment. You know, or, or even the other way, you are too successful for your own boots. Yeah, you are stuck up, whatever it is. You know, you are, whatever. We all have these things. It can be, can be on both extremes. And yeah. then, Erica, and this is where I do a lot of work with um, so a lot of uh, suicide prevention work in schools, is when you go, I am failure. I am a piece of shit. I am not worth it. When you attach. Right? And that's where everything, everything is like this. Now, that there is the fact you've taken on all these things and you're bearing it on yourself. Now, have you ever heard of the saying, don't poke the bear? Yeah. You ever heard that? Now, this real saying stems from don't poke the bearer of the pain. Because every time you poke that pain, you're resurfacing it. So imagine, Erica, you come to my boxing class. I'm like, Erica, your shoulder's fucked. Erica, your shoulder's fucked. 
yo, Eric, your shoulders fucked. You're like, shut the fuck up, Dave. My shoulder's a little bit injured, but I'm here to do my best. And I want to fucking have a workout and forget about it, right? <laughs> now, in regards to that, think about this. And this is a bit of a topic, mental health. Everyone's talking about mental health more, but no one's given a solution to actually get it. They always think it's the external thing. Everything's the victim of mental health. Mm. So what happens, the more we talk about it, what happens, the more it gets worse, the more we get stirred up, the more we can't do our job, the more we can't show up in our stuff. So it actually becomes a more of a spiral because we're not actually teaching something. Uh, we're not teaching the people within how to actually process it. You know what we're teaching, Erica? Management. Now, why would you want to manage something that you can just fuck off completely, dissolve completely? The problem you've got is a, re is a reason for it, and it's not a fix-it, a band-aid, dissolve the whole problem. So mm -hmm. that's what I do is I show people how to, and through the stories, is I show the kids to realize that they were never the fucking problem. They were never broken. They were, like in you, they were never unbalanced. Yeah. It was other people's perceptions, and they just still were getting externally gratified or whatever you want to call it, Val validated from externals and it's internal so mind, mind you i can help you write a book after this but uh, oh. that's what i do for people is write books and stuff i wrote one for uh, neuroscientologists uh, neuro neuroscientists the other day but basically basically when you dissolve that problem it dissipates completely it's never there to begin with mm -hmm. so basically what you do on that shameless is the two things now if anyone gets confused always reach out and i can guide you through this but you circle the symptoms so the symptoms are the things that you're shamed about, but they're not really the thing. They're just yeah. like, you the know, byproduct. Fifth, yeah, fifth, sixth, and seventh dickhead boyfriend. They're not really where that come in. They're like, hey, that was just lateral, man. I was just burning those guys like no tomorrow. I didn't even have the capacity to hold space for those guys. Mm. So then basically what you do is you, once you get rid of that, accept, uh, accept, uh, be aware, accept and release it. Go, hey, don't need to beat myself up anymore. Nobody's perfect. We are human, not machines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then what you're left with on the paper, Erica, this is really important. Anything after that you're left on the paper is basically rid of, is actually traced back to a trauma you've experienced that you have not processed, you suppressed, you numbed, you forgot about, your parents said, don't worry about it, whatever it is. And you haven't actually processed it. And that memory, that is still a memory, a snapshot, something that's in your mind. Now, that memory, how memory is created from a highly emotional charged event. Now, why was it highly emotional? Because it was perceived through the eyes of the beholder. So five-year-old Erica saw this thing go on or experienced something to her, but then she had to sit alone with it, hmm. right? So I deal with a lot of people that have been abused and different things like this. Now, what I will say at this point is I'm a huge, I'm, 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 I'm so, how do you say, I believe so strongly that no matter what something is, whatever happened to someone, right, whatever has happened to someone, no matter how bad or terrible it is, they do not deserve to live trapped from that or be identified by that for the rest of their life. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm a big passion about that. No matter what happened, that's out of your control. And so that's why it's freeing once you actually unpack that and realize that, the reason why you're holding these things is because they were actually never yours. There was someone else's projections that you internalized as I'm bad. So Erica, can I give you an example? Yes, please. This is my personal example. Remember how I told you about I won three world titles to go out and bring all this back to my dad? Yeah. Right, to try and get, and then you know what I do when I win a world title, I'll come home, get off the airplane. Everyone thinks I'm superstar, all these things in my own little world. I'll get in the car, nothing. 
My dad would say, your room's a fucking mess. <laughs> you left you left this on or whatever. And I'm like, whoa, dad, what do you mean? I fucking just did this. But my heart would just sink so low. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go, you know what? I'm going to fucking go bigger. You know, it's not enough. Not enough. Now, uh, I was lucky in a way that uh, my body actually broke down and only died a few years ago. And that was kind of like my body was robbed from me. So I couldn't be, I couldn't even do five burpees. I had trainers in the industry like will bag me out for not being fit power and stuff. Um, so that was part of losing that identity, you know. So now I can connect with so many people who have fitness, lost it, whatever. Let's help them get it back or get back their new version of them at this time. So Erica, yeah. I'm going to unpack something just so everyone listening to this can understand it. At eight years old, I was out with my dad and uncles with a little toy wheelbarrow and I'm in the backyard. Now, this memory, I'm 32. This memory stayed with me forever. Like, I always remember this. I'm in the backyard having the best time of my life. Now, I'm out there. End of the day, I come in proud as punch. I'm like this eight-year-old boy. My chest puffs up. I'm walking in like this thinking this is amazing. Now, I wheel the wheelbarrow back inside that I've been working with outside in the dirt all day. Inside the house, right? I met his dad, I don't know. My dad grabs the wheelbarrow, grabs my arm, drags me outside, throws me on the ground, gets the wheelbarrow, smashes it into pieces, right? It's dark outside, locks me out the side, shuts the door, and I'm locked out inside. Eight-year-old boy, scared of the dark. And then I'm looking through the window, scratching on the gauze. I still remember the sound of the scratch on the gauze, right? So memory, how much of memory, and everyone's ignoring me inside. How do you think that little boy felt? completely alone destroyed his hero it's just fucking gone crazy right now a little boy with that consciousness of that happening where normally your parents are like your guide guiding angels if a parent has done that to you what do you think potentially you think you are yeah completely nothing to them worthless all those thoughts we think you're bad you think you're bad so this is what i internalized i'm the bad son what did i do i went from being the best son to the bad son highly charged so very highly charged thing right so this is unpacking a trauma right and i never knew why i had this memory never knew now years later i brought it up uh, and then by the way i should finish the story when i got let in my parents no one said anything to me about why i got in trouble right I was just let in, right? Nobody to talk to me. So here I am internalizing the worst case scenario in my brain. I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad son. Now, years later, years later, what do you think I'm out saving the world in regards to saving the town, getting everyone fit and healthy? What do you think I'm out traveling, doing more seminars than anyone's ever done in Australia in regards to health and all the school talks, 151 days on the road, talking to five schools plus. People talk about work ethic. Man, I eat their, eat their year's work in a month mm. with this stuff, right? Now, mind you, I do it and I'm exhausted, like, like you would be. You know, I don't have time for my own uh, relationships and stuff like that. I'm, you know, I'm actually pushing relationships away when I'm doing all this stuff, saving the world. Now, Erica, let me unpack it for you. In that moment, I internalized that I was bad. Now, also, I only just unpacked this two and a half weeks ago. It was a massive breakthrough. I also... Uh, that was the first time I actually become afraid of my dad. Mm. Now, if I'm afraid of my dad, then you know around family and culture and stuff like this, that how many times people use the whole thing? If, if you do this, I'll disown you. Yeah. You'll cut you out of the family, things like this. So my whole life, my dad's been able to use that as a bargaining chip. 
don't get to drugs and alcohol. If you do drugs and alcohol, I'll disown you. Now, it works. I'm not into drugs and alcohol. I don't even drink beer. I don't do anything. Now, it worked, but it was from an unhealthy association, unhealthy tie. Yeah. And it was based out of his own fear. So what my dad doesn't need, because years later, I told my dad this. Guess what? He didn't even remember it. He's like, I'm so sorry. He was in tears as an adult. I'm so sorry. I did that to my son. I'm heartbroken. And I'm like, and I didn't know what to make out of it. Like, oh, it's okay, dad, you know. But I still didn't unpack it, even though I kind of forgave him like that. I was like, you know, that's my dad. So when it, with the with these tools, you're actually able to unpack things. And what I what I realized, and this is where I get to, my dad, you know, I could curse him my whole life and say it's terrible, but what kind of dad would do that to his son? I'm gonna ask you the question. What kind of dad would they smash the thing and lock him out? What kind of dad would do that? A dad that you know loves your son, your son. What kind of dad would do that? Someone who's got their own traumas to unpack and projecting on their kids. Yeah. So someone who's got their own shit. Now, the kind of the end state of that is someone who's in pain. Now, what does that person need more, um, more pointing the finger out and calling names and stuff? Does that person need any more of that if they're already in pain? Absolutely not. So what do they need? Love. They need love and compassion. They're only human. And realistically, his behavior was kind of like a five-year-old child. Mm. Maybe he had something happen like that, which I know is true. He can't unpack it though. He hasn't done it yet. And I'm only, I'm only, I'm still writing this book, right? So this is the beast right here. So what he doesn't need is for me to denounce him anymore. The more I denounce, the more I'm losing, the more I'll never be free. So I used to be an electrician. If I want to change a circuit or change a memory, I've got to deload the line, deload to then change. If something's still loaded, you can't change it'll just get pulled back so have you ever seen the tennis balls with the elastic thing and you like hit it and it keeps coming back to you yeah that's what happens when we denounce something bang it away but it always keeps coming back harder 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 the way i picture around that person letting go of that person in a way like forgiving but having love and compassion whatever you don't have to have them in your life is like visualizing untying the boat and letting it drift away yeah yeah ex-boyfriend whatever it is don't text and say he's a dickhead just not text back yeah whatever it is delete the number whatever it is your way of untying that boat let it drift away now with yourself is in that moment what you've also got to understand is you internalized their projections and you held it on for you now is that true am i a bad boy for that because i brought in a a, a wheelbarrow with a bit of dirt on it no, and I suppose in the process of reflecting and unpacking it, you realize that and that's when you really get the breakthrough moment of being able to let go of that lens you're now carrying through with you to adult life, which is so incredible when you really think about it. Now, Erica, in that moment, when I say no, is yes or no answer? No. I then got to the feeling, the pain that I've been in my whole life doing all these seminars, changing the world, winning the championships, I actually put a finger on the pain I've been carrying the whole time. Isn't Even that I was doing good stuff. Guess what I felt? I felt like I was bad. Could never do enough good. So you can see how I overcompensated in so many ways to actually, you know, to try and escape this, uh, in a way, this thing that I've been holding on my whole life. But like, again, freedom is, freedom is within you. I mean, it can be, it comes down to the person's consciousness Mm. um in what they're aware of and what they're willing to let go of because people are stuck in their story as to why their um things have happened the way they happen 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think a second piece to that is being stuck, what we were saying before, in these societal expectations. You know, I think it's one thing to say, okay, yeah, yeah, people think I should do all this stuff. But then whether you actually want to unsubscribe to those things is a separate, you know, choice in and of itself. Um, a lot to unpack there. Love the process of <laughs> yeah. going through your judgment, guilt, and shame. And, you know, if anyone listening obviously wants to know more about any of those things, um, Dave is, you know, totally an open book. You can reach out to him on Instagram. But one thing I do want to ask you before we wrap up the conversation is we were talking before uh, about this idea, you know, when you're talking about people being broken and you were telling me about this concept that no one's ever broken. And I was telling you in turn that, I really love that concept because I also, you know, try and promote the idea that no one's ever imbalanced. It's this idea that you don't own where you're at or you don't realize, you know, or don't own, how can I say it? Really, that's the best way I can say it. You don't, you don't own where you're at and therefore you think you're imbalanced based off what society is telling you you should be doing. But really it's, it's about taking a step back and going, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm actually balancing my own right, right here, right now. So talk to me a little bit about your concept of never being broken. And let's talk about that in, in, in light of, you know, one's balance as well. Yes. All right. Re- really good point to finish off on. Um, so the book is called Unbreakable and the tagline is called uh, how to turn a breakdown into a breakthrough to discover an unbreakable you. And to give you an idea of the final couple lines of the book, it says, I hope by now you realize that you were never broken to begin with. That's how you truly become unbreakable. Now, I'm kind of giving away the book, right? But Erica, in life, and this is why with balance, think about how many people try and change, uh, trying to achieve balance, restriction, productivity, time, things, minimizing, all this sort of stuff. Now, that's restricting. So you can have balance, but what they're trying to do there is balance time, right? Now, have you ever lost yourself in a moment where you're just experiencing life and you're having the best time? We're in, so I want to introduce another word that's called flow. Yeah, absolutely. Where, so a lot of people irrelevant. attach. Yeah, so a lot of people attach um, time to balance. Now, balance, true balance, is timeless, right? And and I can describe it another word as flow. And so what happens is life becomes a dance where you can enjoy the good, the bad, the hard, the whatever it is. And I kind of get away from good and bad. It's just you, you can start to. And the thing is with this is. People ask me, how do I, how are you feeling today, Dave? Now, if I'm actually honest with them, they think I'm fucking bonkers because I'm like, I'm fucking amazing, right? right? (laughs) This is a new day. I'm alive, you know, because once you actually get rid of all that, all the internal stuff you're holding on to, let me tell you, life is fucking amazing. Like the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is. And the thing is, is you can actually approach life in a way where you regulate it. So another word for balance is regulated. What a lot of people do is they restrict, not regulate. Mm. So their idea of balance is restriction. Yeah. Restrict this, restrict that, restrict that. I need one hour of this, two hours of this, you know, 30 minutes sex, not 31 minutes sex, 30 minutes sex, whatever like it is. We start to restrict, put everything in a box. So Erica, uh, there's, there's different types of people in life. You've got painters and you've got artists. You know who the artists are. You've got teachers and you've got tellers. You know who the tellers are because they're yelling at. And you know who the teachers are because they drop under that kid and lift them up. All right. So Erica, final question for you is I want to answer this on, on life. How do you escape a prison? How would you escape a prison? I want to know your answers. Um, definitely forming an alliance within prison and with security guards. Um, and then 
being a little bit more tactful about strategy of how to get out. How else would you, are you froze? How else would you escape? Well, it's really hard to say. I haven't been in a prison. Um, I don't know, maybe try and dig a hole, go over the fence. I'm just talking based off what I've seen in movies now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Dig a hole, some of that. So let me let me tell you the answer, Erica. Tell me, just in the case anyone gets, finds, finds themselves in prison. <laughs> all right. The first rule is to figure out if you're fucking in a prison. Interesting. You can't escape a prison unless you know. A lot of people don't even know their life's a fucking prison. Mm. Right now, what you just what you just revealed to me, Erica, let me let me repeat this to you and see how this is showing up in your life. Befriending everyone and getting information from the outside or all this kind of stuff. The next one, creating alliances with all the people around you to find the answer and all that sort of stuff. The next one, dig a hole, internalize things. So Erica, right now, what are you doing in life that actually really resonates with all those things? That's very deep, isn't it? So that question is a very eye-opener question in the book to have someone to lean in to going, okay, what am I really trying to escape? All right, now it's so much that you actually don't even need to escape, escape, right? And the whole thing about the book is actually what are you holding on to that's not even yours? And then once you get out of that, now you're free internally. To be free internally is one of the greatest gifts you can ever do for someone. Because no matter whether it's the lawyer job or the podcast, whatever it is, you can operate from a space of flow 24-7. And your, your capacity isn't just to get these sparks of genius. Your capacity is like every day you can be like, you're just on another level. It's like, a, it's like comparing a Nokia iPhone, a Nokia 3310 to a brand new iPhone. Your computing power is on another planet. And yeah. so that's basically all I can describe. You're like a Ferrari that's now can use all the gears, can break, can idle, it can hit top gear, it can come down and idle and go through the town where a lot of people are the Ferrari stuck in fucking first gear with the brakes pulled on. And when I really make them aware of it, they don't even have the fucking wheels on. <laughs> or yeah. maybe they don't even have the key in the ignition and they go, why is it going? Why is life so hard? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. and I think a nice part and parcel of this is um, – realizing what we're resisting i think that forms a big part of our balance and whether we see ourselves as broken it's i think when you understand you resist like the ebbs and flows of life that's when you can accept surrender to you know the and be able to dance with life because then you accept and acknowledge that oh i don't have to be happy all the time that's not what balance is balance is understanding like what you need at different moments in life and being able to adjust and you know change as things happen because it's not to say even once you do all this inner work you're you know that's it like you're you're on a flow state for the rest of your life because things are going to come up over and over again but I think it's about having the tools in your back pocket so that you can continue that dance as as much as possible through life's unexpected turns correct and that's what's in the book is a process which is literally three steps so easy that if I explain it people would actually describe it in the book, there's three steps to give people the tool to free themselves from what's not what was not and what was never theirs so they can actually live free because life flows through us. It's not about doing more. It's about being, right? And when you feel that and you have that breakthrough, you should see the people the moment, with the moment I, I repeat this process until they get it, you should see their eyes light up, their body light up, their skin issues go away. Like it's, 
wild. So anyway, this is my life's work. Uh, I'm not, I'm not creative over it. It's just literally, I've just authored a basically a process because a lot of people don't have 10 years to become a meditation master or mm. go do this retreat for 17 days at this cost. You know, if anything, this is like something that we should be taught as a kid to mm. actually regulate ourselves because yeah. otherwise we're strict. We're strict, you're going to be full of shit, right? You're going to be mostly constipated. You want to be able to feel life and it's entirely the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. And, um, and that's the kind of beautiful part of life. Love that. Love that. So many, so many good points. I'm going to have to listen back, take more notes because I was just like so present in this conversation, but I love the work you're doing. I actually can't wait to read the book as well. So you have to give me a holler when it comes out so I can let the community know as well. But if people want to chat to you further, follow your journey, and I guess keep up with all the amazing things you're doing, where's the best place they can do so? Yeah, just on, uh, I'd say Instagram, Dave Powersvain, T-A-B-A-I-N. Um, david at davepowdervane.com.au and that's probably the best way i'll reach out to you and, bring, and maybe they, they can come do one of my hustle sessions and, yeah uh, come, come box with us and, as well. yeah. so, <laughs> so, so check this out yeah so with boxing right that's something we're doing there but what i really like what i love about uh, group fitness is making people feel welcome having a space they can get out to in that may be an hour session that hour gives them a break to deal with what they've got to deal with that space. You know, they feel that love sort of thing. So it's so much more than just boxing or workout. It's the whole experience. And that's, that's what house of box is a training experience. That's what we, we strive to do. And, you know, every day we're, we're looking at ways to improve that as well. So, Tell them, to, tell them to come along with you. No, you know, and, and you, yeah, uh, and they, they do it absolutely well. And let me just add, you don't need to know how to box because I've been going for well over a year and I'm still picking up techniques. So don't be shy if you have, do want to try it out and don't know how to box. But um, I just had a little brainwave from something we said. And I think my favorite thing that you said out of everything you said today, and that's before I go back and listen to it again, is like balance is about how well you can regulate things. And I think there's so much uh, meaning in that because it acknowledges and appreciates the fact that life is not linear and the fact that you do need to regulate on an ongoing basis. And that also honors the fact that every moment's not the same. And so what your balance was this morning might be different right now, or it might be different tomorrow. It might be different in a few years. So I think I want to leave everyone on that because I think that was my absolute favorite point. And another one is adapt. That means you're adaptable. Yes, of course. If you, that's it. yeah, I guess if you see your balance as a regulation, then that leans you to adaptability so much, so much better as well. So thank you so much. I can't wait to go back and listen, share this with everybody. I'll pop links to your website and your Instagram below. But thank you again. And I look forward to coming down for another session soon. Welcome. Can't wait to have you in there. Woo. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Dave. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop. So you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam. We promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, 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 stop.